Okay, let's read the title all together. Ready, go. That's right, we're on part two. Last week we had Jacob's prophesying with blessing. Part one, tonight we come to part two. So this is the very end of Genesis. Genesis 49, Jacob is transformed. He's mature and he's prophesying with blessing to his 12 sons. We covered the first six sons last week. We'll cover the last six sons this week. Okay, so coming to Roman numeral one, can we read that all together? Ready, go. Okay, so Jacob had 12 sons. These 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob's prophesying with blessing over his sons, it actually came true with the children of Israel. But the thing is, is that the children of Israel is just a shadow, a type of the church. So these spiritual uh, speakings of, of Jacob, they actually apply to us today as the church, as the reality of the children of Israel. So let's read Galatians 6, 16. Ready, go. And as many as walk by this rule, these be upon them and mercy, even upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God. You look around this room, brothers and sisters, you are the Israel of God. So the stuff that we're talking about tonight applies to you. So what we want to see here with these verses regarding Jacob's prophesying with blessing is our spiritual experience of these. And we want to enter in into the experience of all the things that Jacob's is speaking. Okay, Roman numeral two. Can we read that together, please? Ready, go. Okay, read Genesis 49, 16 through 17, please. Ready, go. Okay, Dan, he started off good. He had a victory. He gained some of the land signifying Christ. But he had a fall. You see in Judges 18 and Joshua 19, Dan is fighting as a young lion. He's gaining more land. But here's the thing, okay? Although Dan gained the victory, you know what this victory did? It made him independent because he became spiritually proud. This is a warning to all of us. You know, don't think that because you have spiritual victories, Satan can't slide in and cause you to become spiritually proud. When you're spiritually proud, this will cause you to become independent, thinking you got it all together, and that will cause you to become individualistic. This is exactly what happened with Dan. And the end result of this was that Dan fell into apostasy. He got off the right track in following God, and it was a stumbling to God's people. So can we read Proverbs 16, 18, please? Ready, go. Okay. This is a sober word right here. We've heard this verse. This verse directly applies to Dan because, you know, we heard pride comes before the fall. Dan gained the victory. 
He gained more Christ, but he became proud and he went from a young lion to a serpent. What a fall is that? A young lion gaining the victory, gaining more Christ to a serpent. But not only a serpent, a serpent in the way that bites the horse's heels, causing its rider to fall off. What in the world does this mean? Okay, Dan falling into apostasy because he was spiritually proud affected the whole children of Israel. It was a great stumbling block to them. Okay, how in the world does this apply today? Okay, maybe, um, you know, you're on schedule with the Bible reading. Great job. Maybe you're having a wonderful time with the Lord consistently in the morning. Some people, I know that we've gone out, been going out speaking to people. Maybe you brought some people to the Lord. Awesome. Okay, when these spiritual victories come, we always have to be aware that Satan is just looking for an opportunity to come in, cause us to be spiritually proud, causing us to be independent, and then eventually being individualistic, and then we can so easily fall off uh, the right track in following God. But here's the thing, that, doesn't, that just doesn't affect um, you personally if you fall off. But here's the thing, you know, we're all attracted, we look up to people that have some spiritual victories in Christ. No doubt about it. I want to be like this brother who loves the Lord so much. He's so consistent in his Bible reading. He's so passionate for Christ. I want to be like him. Well, here's the thing, okay, is that when that person... When they stray away, it has an effect on you. So we need to be careful uh, for spiritual pride when we have victories in Christ. Okay, but there's a solution uh, to this potential problem. And the solution to this potential problem is with the next son of Jacob, and that is with Gad. Praise the Lord. The fall of Dan is recovered back through Gad's experience, and we want the experience of Gad. Okay. So, can we read Roman numeral 3, please? Ready, go. The prophecy concerning the recovery of Gad indicates not only his victory, but also that he would not enjoy his victory by himself. Okay, Genesis 49, 19, ready, go. Yeah, raiders will raid him, but he will raid Okay, <laughs> we're going to have a little illustration to kind of explain what exactly this means. You know, Gad had a victory. This is shown here by raiding at their heel. But what exactly this looked like, we can see it in later portions in the Word of God. But I'm going to need 12 brothers, okay? I'm going to need 12 brothers. I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 here, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. All right, come on, brothers. I need you all up here. Okay. Do we have 12? <laughs> we have 11. We need one more. Okay. Okay. So these 12 brothers right here, they're signifying the 12 tribes of Israel. God wanted to bring these tribes into the good land, possess the good land to build up his house so God's kingdom could come on the earth. Okay. Well, here's what happened with Gad, all right? 
Gad and Reuben, how about, who's going to be Gad and Reuben? Oh, y'all two brothers, perfect. <laughs> You'll be Gad. All right. You'll be Reuben, okay? Right. And y'all's inheritance of the land fell east of the Jordan River, okay? So these steps right here are going to be uh, the Jordan River, and this is going to be the east side of the Jordan. This is going to be the west side, and this is the good land inhabited by all the enemies of Israel that y'all need to dispossess so y'all can possess the land and build up God's house. Okay, so let's illustrate what happened here with Gad. Okay, so I'm going to be Moses. I'm going to read Numbers 32.6, okay? And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, that's y'all too, shall your brothers go to war while you stay here? Okay. Let's just pretend um, they're going to say yes. Shall your brothers go to war while you stay here and enjoy your portion of the land east of the Jordan where it's good for your livestock? Say yes. 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 Okay. That's not good. But just for an illustration of what not to do. And Gad didn't do this. Okay. Y'all ten brothers cross the Jordan. Cross the Jordan. Okay. And now y'all ten... Okay, apart from Gad and Reuben, y'all got to dispossess all the enemies of the land and conquer the land. And here's Gad and Reuben. <laughs> they, already, they already got their portion. They're good. They're chilling. Good luck, guys. Good luck trying to possess all these enemies. What in the world is this? They're just taking care of their own enjoyment of Christ. They're just chilling. What about all their brothers? All these brothers right here, they deserve their portion of Christ in the good land. That's right. Well, thank goodness that these brothers, Gad and Reuben, especially Gad here, he didn't just hang back and join his land east of the Jordan, but actually they had an awesome response. Okay, so I'm going to be Moses. I'm going to read the question again. And then we're going to read the verses that show Gad and Reuben's response, okay? All right, Numbers 32.6. Shall your brothers go to war while you stay here? All right. Josh, I need you to read this right here, starting with we. Mm -hmm. Okay? All the way down here. And bro, you got a strong spirit with the underlying part, okay? All right, Josh. All right, so, th so this is the response right here, okay? Numbers 32, 16 through 18. Okay. Gotcha. What are you going to do, bro? <clears throat> <laughs> we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed and ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. While our little ones, while our little ones dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land, we will not... Return to our houses. Amen. Until each one of the children of Israel has inherited his inheritance. Amen. Brother, let's say that again. Let's all three say that together, okay? This last part right here. All right. We, we will, will not return to our houses until each one of the children of Israel has inherited his inheritance. Okay. Awesome, brothers. Great job. Great job. 
So what a spirit Gad had. Spirit for fighting for the brothers. And you know, these brothers, they didn't stay in their portion of the good land. They went along with the other ten tribes, fought alongside of them so that they could possess their inheritance of the good land. So what is this in New Testament terms? To follow Gad's example, we need to have a corporate sense of the body and care for the members of the body for the accomplishing of God's will. Okay, so the reason for Gad's success, the reason for Gad's success is that Gad was willing to let go of his enjoyment of Christ and care for his other brother's enjoyment. And we see an awesome example with the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul in, in Philippians 1, 23 through 25. So if we can read those verses together, ready, go. But I am constrained between the two. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for this is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And being confident of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of the day. Okay, what's the background Paul's writing this verse about? He's, a, he's in prison in Rome. He's being mistreated. He's been persecuted. There's dissension among the Philippian believers. There's attack from the Judaizers. It's a tough situation. So you can see why Paul, he says, I'm constrained between the two. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ. That's to die and be with the Lord to a greater degree. He says, for this is far better. That sounds like it's more enjoyable to Paul, right? But Paul was not this brother. He was filled with the corporate sense of the body of Christ, and he was willing to let go of his enjoyment for the sake of the other members of the body. So what does he say? But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And being confident of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. Okay, can we say for your sake and continue with you all? Ready, go. For your sake and continue with you all. For your sake and continue with you all. This was our brother Paul's spirit. A member in the body willing to drop his own enjoyment and fight for the other brothers and sisters portion of Christ. We see this because he was going to continue with all the believers for what? Their progress in the faith and their joy in the faith. What is the progress in the faith? This is the growth in the divine life. And what is the joy in the faith? This is our enjoyment of Christ. So when we experience Christ, we gain Christ, we enjoy Christ, we are progressing in the faith, and we are progressing in the joy of the faith. Okay, so how can we fight for the brothers? We can fight for the brothers by praying for them, visiting them, ministering Christ to them, and let's make it real practical. What does it look like to maybe, um, you know, let go of your enjoyment for the sake of somebody else's enjoyment of Christ? Okay, how about this? A brother that you know of or a sister that you know of, they're having trouble keeping up with the Bible reading schedule. And here it is, um, maybe after this meeting, 8 o'clock, You've done your Bible reading chapter for the day. Check it off the list, and you enjoyed Christ in John 18 today. But maybe your roommate or your friend, they haven't read the, the chapter for today. 
And maybe instead of taking 20 minutes to uh, maybe you want to read something else, maybe you want to do something else, you're willing to drop that and spend 10 to 20 minutes to read the chapter with your friend who hasn't read the chapter for the day. Or how about this? You're having a wonderful time with the Lord in the morning. 15, 20 minutes, and you're just being saturated with Christ, loving Him, kissing Him, filled with Him, energized with Him. And you have your routine that you have found that works how to be with the Lord Jesus. Well, what if you know somebody that uh, is struggling to how to be with the Lord in the morning? What if you just shaved off five minutes of your 20-minute morning routine with the Lord? Give that brother or sister a call, and you have corporate morning revival. This is you letting go of your enjoyment of Christ, fighting for the other brothers and sisters to enter in into the enjoyment of Christ. And you know what's wonderful? The progression of these brothers and the speaking of Jacob with, these, with his sons is awesome. Because when we enter into the experience of Gad, fighting for the other brothers and sisters' enjoyment of Christ, we are brought into the experience of Asher. So, can we read uh, Roman number four together, please? Ready, go. The Genesis 49:20 ready go Okay the sequence of Gad to Asher here is certainly under the inspiration of God Okay, when we have the victory of Christ and we help our brothers gain their portion of Christ, you know what we have? We have rich food. And this food is so rich that it even becomes royal dainties. I know you've got to love that, royal dainties. You know, we dream of eating like kings. But you know in the church life, there's royal dainties. When we're fighting for the other brothers and sisters, we're eating like kings. And we're enjoying the unsearchable riches of Christ. So the reality of the royal dainties, the reality of the rich food of Asher is, is seen in Ephesians 3.8. So if we can read Ephesians 3.8, ready, go. To me, the least of all saints, was this Okay, this will lead us into Philippians 1.19. So the unsearchable riches of Christ today are our experience as the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to try to connect here why you had the experience of Gad before the experience of Asher. And we can see this with Paul. So let's read Philippians 1.19. Ready, go. Do y'all want the rich food? Yeah. Do you want the royal dainties? Yeah. Do you want the unsearchable riches of Christ? Yeah. Do you want the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Okay. Well, Paul shows us how we can enter in into the experience of Asher. Okay, he says, For I know that for me this will turn out to salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So again, here's Paul writing to the Philippian believers. He's in imprisonment, but just the fact that he is being in prison did not separate him from the supply that's flowing within the body of Christ. And he brings out this matter of your petition. 
It's very significant that your petition comes before the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know what begins to happen, brothers and sisters? When you're willing to drop your enjoyment of Christ, you're not holding on to it and just caring for your enjoyment, but you have a corporate sense for the other believers in Christ. You begin fighting for them. You know what they begin to do for you? They begin to pray for you. You begin to have the petition of the saints. And you know what the petition of the brothers and sisters are? The prayers of the brothers and sisters? The prayers of the brothers and sisters are a conduit for the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ to flow to you. So this is, this is many of the brothers and sisters' experience, and I hope we can all enter into this experience of Asher, enjoying Christ as the rich food, enjoying Christ as the royal dainties, because we are fighting for the brothers and sisters. We're being prayed for by the brothers and sisters, and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ is flowing into us. And you know what? We enjoy Christ so much. We get filled with this Christ. And this Christ is in resurrection. Amen. And that brings us to the next point. Can we read Romans 5, please? Ready, go. The prophecy concerning the consummation of the man of life signifies that we be experienced Christ in the resurrection. We become those who will take the earth by preaching Christ as the gospel of the kingdom to the whole inhabited earth. Okay. Genesis 49, 21, ready, go. Okay, we got to read that verse a little stronger because we're talking about a hind let loose, okay? Let's read it again, ready, go. Hind let loose. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, just for your information, a hind is a deer. And if you've ever seen a deer jump, you know, they can jump over, you know, what seemingly is insurmountable obstacles. And it's a living and active animal. It's not, a, it's not an extremely extravagant animal, but it's so living and active. And this typifies Christ in resurrection. So when you experience Christ as a resurrected one, you know what you are? You get filled and you're bubbling over with this Christ. And you know what comes out? Beautiful words. Gossip doesn't come out. Criticism doesn't come out. Complaining doesn't come out. But you know what comes out? Rivers of living water. You know what? This rivers of living water, this is just the resurrected Christ himself. And you're just overflowing to everybody. And you know... Naphtali being a hind let loose, him giving beautiful words. We're not talking about uh, becoming more talkative if you're a shy person. Or we're not talking about, you know, something crazy where you're just like, you know, vomiting on everybody. You know what I mean? But what we're talking about is that when you're filled with Christ who's in resurrection, within you there's a hind let loose. And in your speaking of beautiful words, every word is saturated with Christ. Where even your hi, how are you, is a flowing of Christ into that person because you're so filled up and you're bubbling over with this resurrected Christ. And unless you speak, you might burst. So this is Christ within us who's in resurrection as the hind let loose through us giving beautiful words. And you have uh, Philippians 3.10 right here. If we can read that, ready, go. Okay, to know him and the power. 
power of his resurrection. This is to experience the hind let loose, who is Christ in resurrection. And um, can we read Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Ready, go. Go therefore and disciple all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay. So this is Christ in resurrection, speaking to his disciples, and he tells them, Go therefore, disciple all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the Lord, he doesn't want his disciples to speak with their natural words, with their own words, but he wants them to speak out of their experience of Christ in resurrection and their words are Christ in resurrection. And you know, you see an example of this with Peter and his witnessing of the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, of course, Peter gives this wonderful message 3,000 people get saved, and this is a testimony that Christ, that Peter was in the experience of Christ who is in resurrection. He flowed forth beautiful words, and 3,000 people got saved. Okay, but here's the thing, you know. Wonderful to have a hind let loose, enjoying Christ, filled with Christ in resurrection, speaking beautiful words, but you know what we run into? We, want, we, we run into restriction and limitation. But thank the Lord for Joseph. So that brings us to the next point. So if we can read um, 6 there, and that is pronounced bow, fruitful bow. So let's read 6. Ready, go. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a Okay, so a bough is just a main branch of a tree. And brothers and sisters, Christ is in us as the real Joseph, who's the main branch within us, and we're branches of this fruitful bough. So let's read John 15, 5. Ready, go. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. So the wall here, that signifies restriction and limitation. And our Christ who's within us, you know what his branches do? His branches run over that wall. And let me give you a couple of examples. You know, there's such thing as inward restriction, inward limitations. How about this? Maybe you're critical of others and you just can't stop being critical no matter how hard you try. Maybe you're prideful. You don't want to be, but you can't help it. What a wall that's within your being. Maybe you're judgmental. Why does that person act like this? Look at the way that they dress. Look at the this and that. You know, my roommate. How come he never picks up his socks from off the floor? Maybe that's it. Or maybe you have a temper problem. Just the brothers, they just make you so mad when they do that thing. These are all inward limitations, but brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Amen. We have Christ as the real Joseph, who's this fruitful bough. And you know what? His branches run over that wall of your temper. His branches run over that wall of your critical spirit. His branches run over that wall of your pride. Amen. It's wonderful. This is the one that we have within us. Amen. You know what? There's also outward limitations. Okay, how about this one? Academic pressure. Final exams are coming up here in two or three weeks, right? Academic pressure. And that is a very high wall. Well, brothers and sisters, be reminded you have Christ within you. And his branches run over that wall of academic pressure. 
What about the pressure, uh, the limitation, the restriction, persecution from your family? Maybe your family, they're not believers. Or maybe they think, okay, you know, you came to college and you're just too on fire for Christ. You got to calm down. You spend way too much time with that Christian group, CSOC. You're always with them. Why don't you calm down a little bit, okay? Well, you know what, brothers and sisters? Even amidst academic pressure when everybody else is freaking out, even amidst persecution from our family, not understanding our love and passion for Christ, we have one in us, Amen. the fruitful bough, Christ, whose branches run over that wall. And you know what? Even amidst those circumstances of academic pressure, persecution from family, we can magnify Christ. Amen. So... Can we read Philippians 1.20? Ready, go. Here we are with our dear brother Paul in Philippians chapter 1 again. Okay. He's in prison. That is an outward limitation. He's far away from home. Limitation, restriction. The situation of the churches that he helped raise up, not that great. Restriction, limitation. But what does Paul say here? Even he's uh, under threat of dying at any day. What does he say? He has an earnest expectation. And he has a hope that in nothing he will be put to shame. With all boldness. Wow, this brother had all boldness. Why? We'll see. As always, even now, in this situation in that prison, Christ will be magnified in his body. Christ will be made large for people to see, whether through life or through death. You know, brothers and sisters, This is Paul's experience of Christ within him as the fruitful bough whose branches run over the wall. And here's Paul magnifying Christ. Okay. You know, brothers and sisters, um, all these blessings have been wonderful. We have one more son left. You know, all these blessings are for the last blessing. All the blessings have a direction. All the blessings have a purpose. All the blessings have a goal. The blessings have a consummation. And that brings us to the last son, Benjamin. So can we read number seven, please? Ready, go. Read Genesis 49, 27, please. Ready, go. So this signifies the victory of Christ, but we need to look forward into Deuteronomy to see more concerning Benjamin. So read Deuteronomy 33, 12, please. Ready, go. Concerning Benjamin, he said, and the Okay, Jacob, 
he finishes his prophesying with blessing concerning God's dwelling place. You have God's dwelling place with Benjamin. And this dwelling place is a mutual abode. And we see this in John 15, 4a. So can we read that? Ready, go. So abide in me. This is our habitation. And I in you. This is God's habitation. So this is a mutual dwelling place. So the last 10 aspects of the universal blessing is the matter of dwelling. All the blessings consummate in the dwelling. And the reason God gives us so many items concerning this blessing, the items of what? Think about Judah, the gospel, Zebulun with the gospel ships, the church life, the enjoyment of Christ, the royal dainties, the fruitful bough, the branches running over the wall, all these blessings, wonderful experiences of Christ. What are all these for, brothers and sisters? These are for God's dwelling place. And God's dwelling place, when he gains it in its entirety, brothers and sisters, this will fulfill his eternal purpose, his heart's deep longing. So can we read Ephesians 2.22? Ready, go. together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. When God gets his dwelling place, his dwelling within us, he's happy. And when we're dwelling in God, we're happy. And we're here happy, resting in this mutual abode of God and man and man and God. And this is how the Bible ends. So if you missed last week, um, and maybe uh, we're just going to do a quick review here, really quick, of the, la- of the 12 sons. So beginning, you have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. They were all sinners, but thank the Lord, Levi and Judah were transformed. Judah was brought into the kingship, brought forth Christ the king, and Christ the king accomplished a kingly salvation. And you know what? Zebulun, he went out as the ships filled with Christ as his cargo. He brings the gospel to people. You know what? This issue's in Issachar, in the church life. Here we're enjoying Christ. But you know, I have a little uh, fall there with Dan, spiritually proud. But you know what? You have the recovery with Gad, fighting for the brothers and sisters' enjoyment of Christ. And this brings in the royal dainties and rich food of Asher, and this brings in also Naphtali, filled with Christ and resurrection, speaking beautiful words. But we encounter restrictions. We encounter limitations. So this brings in our experience of Joseph as the fruitful bough whose branches run over the wall. And what does this consummate in? Consummates with Benjamin, the mutual abode of God and man. This is the new Jerusalem that we see in Revelation 21 and 22. Amen. So that's... Jacob's prophesying with blessing over his 12 sons. So you guys have some excerpts at the back of your outline. So maybe we can pair up in groups. Read the excerpt, fellowship. And I just hope you can just take away just one point. It's a lot of points, but I hope one point will touch you. You can put away and put in your back pocket. So um, we'll, I guess, have a few minutes together in the groups and come back and overflow.